Welcome to a crossover segment of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks. Obviously, we've had uh, a lot of trade moves that have happened uh, here over the last 24, 48 hours. The big one for the Minnesota Wild, Marc-Andre Fleury headed to Minnesota uh, to help the Wild in the goalie position. Had to get Jack Bushman here uh, of Locked on Blackhawks to discuss it. So uh, first off, Jack, let's just get your initial reaction to the flurry move. What did you think of the return? What do you think of the flower in Minnesota? Yeah, first reaction was, I know the market for, or, or what the Blackhawks were wanting for Marc-Andre Fleury was a first round pick, but with him having really all the control over where he wanted to go, and apparently according to Michael Russo earlier this afternoon, it was a very, very short list of teams that Fleury would be willing to get traded to. So considering that, to get a conditional second, which hopefully will turn into the to turn into a first. I know Wild fans are hoping that as well, which means they'll be having success in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, but I think it was honestly best case scenario for the Chicago Blackhawks, right? Heading into a, a full-blown rebuild didn't really make a whole lot of sense to keep on a uh, 37 going on 38-year-old netminder, even as good as Fleury's been. He's still on top of his game. Uh, it just didn't make sense with the direction the Blackhawks were heading in. Uh, and honestly, Seth, in the last couple of weeks heading up to the deadline, um, with so many variables at play with Fleury getting traded, you know, where he'd want to go, then the GM still got to find a way to make it work. I, I really thought the Blackhawks were going to be stuck with him. So to, to get a second and Fingers crossed a first. Uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with with that return. I think it was the best case scenario. Blackhawks fans are really going to miss him. He's been phenomenal in Chicago. A great dude, great leader. <laughs> really, the reason we have a majority of our wins here this season. Um, but it had to be done with the direction the team was heading in. So uh, to get that type of return, I think you have to be happy. I think you got to consider it as a win for Kyle Davidson. Uh, but as for Flurry in Minnesota. Seth, I just think this move made far too much sense. I've been talking about it on my show for the last couple of weeks. The one place that I really thought what would make the most sense for Marc-Andre Fleury would be Minnesota with the recent play of their netminders. They've been kind of on a down stretch here lately. Minnesota's not all that far from Chicago. It wouldn't be, you know, a huge ask for Fleury to move from Chicago to Minnesota. I think it was just the perfect scenario. So, um, I'm glad to see it get done, and I think Flurry's going to help Minnesota a lot. What are you thinking, buddy? Yeah, I'm I'm right with you, and I've been pretty vocal um, in opposition of the trade leading up to this point. And so I realize I'm doing a huge, a huge 180. But you know, in in just talking about some of the things that go into this, for me, I was really trying to figure out: Are the Wilds goalies the sole culprit for the numbers that this team was uh, was putting up against uh, their opponents that two and eight stretch where they were giving up almost four goals a game uh i i wasn't sure if it was a combination of the defense or the goaltending and on the chicago side you know same thing is were flurry's numbers um were, was that because of of poor defense in front of him or was he starting to regress but it does seem like Bill Guerin really was confident that Flurry playing with a, a wild team with the defense that they have was going to have a much better end to the season. And, you know, you, you said just to that point that uh, a lot of the issues that Flurry was having this year were because the defense was not great in front of him. 
Yeah, I mean, there were times where he's been a, a bit inconsistent, but with that defense in front of him, he's facing, you know, 30-plus shots per game. More more often than not, Flurry was standing on his head and doing a phenomenal job. And as I said earlier, um, probably the MVP of this team aside from Patrick Kane, but the Blackhawks would not have <laughs> – probably half of their wins without Marc-Andre Fleury. So for a Minnesota fan right now, I I would not be worried about Marc-Andre Fleury. His numbers being maybe a little bit down. Remember, he, he did this with a bad Blackhawks team. So from Minnesota's side, I think it, it just made too much sense to go and get a guy like Fleury, and you're not going to have to worry about him with that type of defense in front of him, Seth. Um, let's let's just talk a little bit about the, the rest of the deadline because you know Chicago made some moves. The Wild obviously made a ton of moves. Uh, just hit me with your uh, your favorite move outside of Flurry uh, that the Blackhawks either did or didn't make. Yeah, it was kind of a weird deadline day. I, I expected Dominic Kubalik and Calvin DeHaan, both guys on expiring contracts. Uh, DeHaan will be an unrestricted free agent in the summer. Kubalik will be a restricted free agent, but the Blackhawks would have to give him a, at least a $4 million qualifying offer. So I didn't really understand not moving them, especially when it seemed like a seller's market. General Manager Kyle Davidson kind of talked about how they weren't getting the value that they wanted in return. But at the same time, I think both those guys are going to walk in the summer. So um, that left me scratching my head a little bit. But undoubtedly, my favorite move has to be the Brandon Hagel one. And I know Blackhawks fans are going to be a little wary when I say that because Hagel was a fan favorite here, a guy who gave effort, 100% effort night in and night out and was really just starting to show us uh, his offensive skill set a little bit more. But with what Tampa Bay was willing to give him, I mean, two first-round picks and two players, and also one of those players being Taylor Radish, who was a former line mate of both Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strom when they put up video game numbers with the Erie Otters. And in his first two games, Radish has looked really good. He had a two-point game last night, scored his first goal with the Blackhawks. So, I mean, I understand the frustration of trading a guy like Brandon Hagel, who could have been a part of this rebuild, but man, I mean, to get that type of haul for him, Kyle Davidson absolutely had to say yes to that. So Brandon Hagel, we're going to miss you, buddy. But at the same time, we're thinking three to five years down the road. And now we have two first round picks in both 2023 and 2024. Hopefully we'll be getting a first round pick in 2023 from Minnesota if all goes well for the wild in the postseason. Um, so that was definitely my favorite move that the Blackhawks made. I just wish Kyle Davidson was a little bit more aggressive with guys like Dominic Kubelik and Calvin DeHaan for sure and you know that's that's the spot where Chicago's at right now is that you know if you're if you're a team that's not in contention playoff wise you got to assess you know who are we really trying to keep and who are some players that you know won't be back and then you have those situations where somebody comes to you and they says hey they say hey we'll give you this for this player that maybe is a little further into those rings than somebody else, but yeah, two first round picks. Absolutely a no brainer, buddy. But on your end, man, it seems like arguably Minnesota won the deadline more so than anyone else. I mean, you got a feeling good, eh, buddy? I feel great um, because one of the biggest issues for this team has been size and physicality. And it just it seems like going up against other potential playoff teams that the Wild have been pushed around a little bit here over the last couple of weeks. And so what does Bill Guerin do? He goes and gets Nick Delorier, who... What a beauty. I've attempted to describe what he brings to the ice, and I, I just have started to go with... He, he has homicidal tendencies <laughs> on the ice, and I think that's exactly what this team needs because 
there's no question that that Jewel Erickson Eck line is one of the best, if not the best defensive lines in hockey. But it only works if all three of those guys are on the ice and Marcus Foligno being, you know, the enforcer for this team. He's been taking more and more penalties, it seems, as things go, because a lot of these playoff teams that you're going up against have been way more physical. And so he's taking penalties, you know, to try to kind of set the tone and get back at people. And so that line has not been on the ice nearly as much as it could have been. And so enter Nick Delorier, and he basically flat out said, like, I'm going to be the one sitting in the penalty box. That was one of the best comments I've ever heard. I was like, oh, Minnesota fans are going to absolutely love this guy. He's like, I'll go in the box. Don't worry. I'll, yeah. Don't worry about Felino. I'll take it. That was amazing. And so he he slots into that fourth line with Tyson Jost and with Brandon Duhame, who is a similar player. Duhame is not afraid to fight anybody in this league. And so you have those two guys and you have Jost, who is uh, is no slouch himself. That all of a sudden becomes a line that is going to get under a lot of teams' skin. And so, yes, they're probably going to spend a lot of time in the box, but you're probably going to pull some other people on other teams in there with you and or just take them off their game by whatever it is that they that they do out on the ice. So you get that, and then this Jacob Middleton acquisition for Capo Kakinen completely took me by surprise but the things that i like six foot three we have a lot of under six foot defensemen for this minnesota wild team and so middleton brings size he brings physicality he can block shots he's not afraid to hit people he i think right now would have either the most or second most penalty minutes on the wild right now so he's not afraid to mix it up either and so bill Guerin very clearly wanted to reestablish this team's identity similar to what he did when he played. And it, it is, it's so refreshing to have a GM that is like, Hey, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to go get what we need. And yes, maybe we'd like to see some of those draft picks pan out, but at the end of the day, Bill Guerin is doing what he needs to do for this team in the draft, in free agency at the trade deadline, He's always looking to improve this roster. And there's no question with what was done at the trade deadline that the Wild are a better team now than they were. Yeah, it seems like every need that they needed to address, Bill Guerin did that and then some. Yeah, he just, he had a plan. And it's it's one thing to have a plan and be like, well, we got outbid um, by a couple of people for this player or that player. Like the Claude Giroux, would that have been nice? Would that have been a nice acquisition? Yes. But I think the wild kind of reprioritized as we got closer to the deadline that if they could add some fight, and I think the exact words that Michael Russo used were fight and bite, that they would be a team that could contend with anybody. And they added a ton of that at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're bolstering up everything they need to make that push. Um, and I know it's probably been uh, a little bit discouraging with the play as of late. I mean, Minnesota was, what, right there at the top of the division for basically the, the entire of the season up until the last few weeks. But now there's definitely enough to be hopeful for that this is going to get figured out. You know you got a good leader in Bill Guerin. Everything he's done for that organization, you have no reason not to trust him at this point, right? So it's like now it's just kind of, 
all aboard and getting ready to gear up for the most meaningful time of the season. And hey, listen, Seth, us Blackhawks fans, we're going to be right there behind the Minnesota Wild, okay? We need y'all going to the Western Conference Final more than ever. So um, Blackhawks fans, it's going to be maybe a little bit weird, but we're all aboard the Minnesota Wild train as we start heading into the summer months, buddy. We, If we end up going to the Stanley Cup Final, um, I'd be happy to give up that first-round pick and then some. So, you know, we're, we're happy to have you. We're happy to have you on board, and I, I too, am hoping that we we take that first rounder and just say, here, thanks for the cup. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it at the end. Absolutely. Well, there you have a little recap of the Marc-Andre Fleury trade. Make sure to follow both Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, that will take care of the recent conversation that I had with Lockdown Wild host Seth Topal. Coming up in just a moment, I will be getting into my grades for all the trades the Blackhawks made yesterday, as well as an overall grade on GM Kyle Davidson's first trade deadline. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. Football season may be over, but Bet Online still has way more odds and info for March Madness as things begin to ramp up. And from game scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. It's not just basketball. From the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game begins. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks, getting into segment two now today. I also wanted to be sure to share my grades on all the Blackhawks moves that were made prior to yesterday's deadline and also my overall grade for new GM Kyle Davidson. First, we're going to start with the initial trade that the Blackhawks made last Friday afternoon, which was sending Brandon Hagel to the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for two first-round picks, one in 2023, one in 2024. Also, the Hawks received forwards Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish in that deal while sending um, two fourth-round picks along with Hagel back to Tampa Bay. All in all, it was interesting to hear Davidson speak about this situation yesterday with the media. He said he wasn't actively shopping Brandon Hagel. It's not like he was reaching out trying to move Hagel. He just simply got a deal from Tampa Bay that was too good to pass up. And that's kind of what I've been saying the last couple of days when breaking down this trade. Like, Brandon Hagel's a fan favorite. Obvious was a fan favorite, I guess I should say. Probably will remain a fan favorite, even though he's now a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he was a phenomenal player, someone who brought the intensity and effort and energy each and every night, uh, provided you with a little bit of everything, offense, defense, speed and hustle, physicality, you name it, he could do it. But at the same time, to get two firsts and two players in return from Tampa Bay, I mean, you simply had to do that, right? And especially, like, what we've seen from Taylor Radish already and knowing his past with Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strom, I'm super excited about the future of Taylor Radish. And even Boris Kachuk, he's had a couple of opportunities in limited ice time so far in his first two games with the Blackhawks. So I'm hopeful for both of those guys. They're two completely different players. Kachuk is more of a... Bottom six, physical grinder, maybe just a fourth liner. Well, Taylor Radish does have some offensive upside to his game, as we've seen uh, in his first few appearances with the Chicago Blackhawks. So all in all for me, folks, 
I think I got to give this trade an A. I know a lot of people are not going to agree with that. A lot of people wanted Brandon Hagel to be part of this rebuild here in Chicago. I did too. But to get a return like that from the Lightning, I mean, as Kyle Davidson said, it was simply too good for him to pass up. I feel the same way about that trade. I think it was something that Kyle Davidson simply had to do. You know, Tampa Bay forced his hand. They gave him such a good offer where he really had no choice here. And just as a reminder, once again, in order to get future assets via the draft or younger prospects, you got to be giving up something in return of value. And that's what Brandon Hagel was. I know it's frustrating, and some people are having a hard time wrapping their heads around it, but to get two firsts and two players in that deal, too good to pass up. I completely agree with Kyle Davidson. That's just me personally. I know other people are going to have their opinions on that as well, but I am going to give that trade an A for Kyle Davidson, but obviously time is going to tell um, how that whole thing is going to play out with so many other pieces being involved, not just Brandon Hagel, obviously. The second trade, Marc-Andre Fleury to the Minnesota Wild, and considering how in the past like week or so on, on the show, I really thought the Blackhawks were going to be stuck with Fleury for the remainder of the season, considering, you know, he'd have his final say in the, in the, uh, process. He, he basically would be able to pick where he would want to go. And apparently, according to Michael Russo, this was a very, very short list. Also, you know, Kyle Davidson and uh, another GM would have to find a way to make the deal work. Obviously, Davidson um, was sticking to wanting a first round pick in exchange for Flurry, And uh, it was also kind of interesting in, our, in an article that Michael Russo wrote this morning as well. He kind of broke down how the trade for Flurry came about. Bill Guerin reached out about a week ago, uh, about a week ago, now Bill Guerin reached out um, not all that long back and kind of just to gauge what the Blackhawks and Kyle Davidson would be wanting in exchange for Marc-Andre Fleury and Kyle Davidson held firm. He wanted a first round pick and uh, he. it's funny because he told Bill Guerin that if an offer wasn't made by Saturday night that Fleury was going to start on Sunday against the Winnipeg Jets. I think that kind of was telling Guerin that Davidson was willing to keep him if he wasn't going to give him what he wanted. Bill Guerin really didn't want to give up a first-round pick in this year's draft. Um, so ultimately, I think Guerin kind of realized that Davidson would actually sit on Flurry if no one was giving him what he wanted. They kind of c- combined their ideals, Davidson wanting a first-round pick, Guerin not wanting to give one up by uh, agreeing to a conditional 2022 draft pick. It's currently a second for the Blackhawks, but if Minnesota reaches the Western Conference Final and Marc-Andre Fleury picks up four or more of the wins in the opening two rounds, which you got to think if Minnesota gets to the Western Conference Final, Marc-Andre Fleury is probably going to have uh, a large, uh, is going to be a large reason why that would happen. Uh, so now we're all Minnesota Wild fans for the remainder of the year, but all in all, this was something, again, Kyle Davidson simply had to do, right? With the Blackhawks heading in a rebuild, would not make any sense at all to keep Flurry on going forward, and they really could use the assets. Uh, I guess just only is an asset, um, but they, they could have really used that asset going forward throughout this process. So for Kyle Davidson to even be able to get a deal done, I know it's not exactly what he wanted, a guaranteed first-round pick, but there is hope that this can get the Blackhawks back into the first round of the 2022 NHL draft. So uh, all in all, I think I'm going to give this trade an A-. minus. I feel like Davidson 
it's, it's interesting. He played his hand, uh, and he held firm on what he wanted. I, I just wonder, it's it's so tough with Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm going to boost this up to an A because I just don't know if there's another team out there that would have given the Blackhawks a first-round pick and Fleury would have agreed to go there. So with Minnesota being one of those very few teams, it was a very, very short list. Uh, I'm going to bump this up to an A. The more I think about it, the more it was a no-brainer for Kyle Davidson and the Blackhawks. So those two big moves that he made, I was really happy with. And I think most people who truly understand how this rebuilding process is going to go, how it's going to take several years down the road. I think they understand it too, and I hope more and more of you Blackhawks fans who are frustrated by this move understand that Kyle Davidson did this with the best interest of the organization three to five years down the road. Sure, the Blackhawks, man, I don't even know if I want to watch this team play for the remainder of the season after losing Hagel and Flurry, but those were moves that simply had to be done because now all of a sudden we could potentially have three more first-round picks moving forward in the next couple of drafts. And we also got Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk out of it. So uh, I was really happy with those two big trades that the Blackhawks made. But the rest of the deadline, man, left me just a little bit confused. Uh, I will will say the Ryan Carpenter trade, getting a 2024 fifth-round pick. Uh, a fifth was what I expected for Carpenter, but it's just kind of weird to me that um, he couldn't get that pick in a draft sooner than 2024, right? Like that left me scratching my head a little bit. Uh, But all in all, that's about what I expected for Ryan Carpenter. You know, he's a fourth-line defensive specialist, can help out on the PK. I don't understand how people thought he was going to get like a third or a fourth. I know the market was high, but Ryan Carpenter um, is not the largest asset to acquire at the deadline. So a fifth was about what I expected. I'm going to give that a, a B, B minus. I'm kind of in between there. A fourth would have been nice in this market, but um, I said on the live show yesterday, I expect him to go for a fifth, and he did. So overall, I'm going to give that trade a B. But overall, for Kyle Davidson on the trade deadline, I'm really confused as to how neither Calvin DeHaan nor Dominic Kubelik got moved, especially Calvin DeHaan. Because we heard there were a bunch of teams interested in left-handed defensemen. He's a veteran. He's, I believe, the leading shot blocker in the entire NHL at this point. And he's even missed a couple of games throughout the way. He's got Stanley Cup playoff experience under his belt. And seeing what all these other defensemen went for on the market prior to the deadline, I have no idea how Calvin DeHaan didn't net a third or, at the very least, a fourth-round pick. And with him being an unrestricted free agent at the, uh, at the end of the season and in the summer... I really, with, with the Blackhawks having so many defenseman prospects on the rise or coming up through the system in the next few years, there's no way that Calvin DeHaan is going to be coming back. So I really just don't understand how he didn't get moved as a pending UFA. One thing I did see on Twitter was um, that maybe that maybe Kyle Davidson didn't want to break up the defensive core that they have right now in Rockford as they're leading up to a playoff push. Um, and by trading Calvin DeHaan, that would probably have to um, require someone else from Rock, <clears throat> someone else from Rockford coming up for the remainder of the season. But like, come on, you're really going to be focused on Rockford more than the overall team, like more than the NHL club. That doesn't make any sense to me. I saw that suggestion. I, I don't think that's true at all. So I, I really have no idea how Calvin DeHaan didn't get moved. And for Dominic Kubelik as well, um, you know, he's probably the one that does make a little bit more sense. For the Blackhawks not to trade, considering, you know, a couple of years back, he was a 30-goal scorer. Uh, he was having a lot of success putting the puck in the back of the net. 
Um, but with him being owed at least a $4 million qualifying offer in the summer, and the Blackhawks going in a rebuild where they're very likely not going to be competitive, as I said, for the next three to fi- till the next three to five years down the road, Kubelik's going to be 30 years old at that point. So are we really going to be giving him an extension? Um, maybe it's just, you know, a, a one-year deal for $4 million to give him another tryout and prove that this lackluster season was a little bit of a fluke and just things weren't going the way he wanted to, kind of like we saw out of Alex Debrinkit a few years back. Um, but to, to not even get a fourth for Kubelik, I don't know. That just feels like a mistake to me as well. So um, we'll see if Kyle Davidson talks more about this. He was kind of vague when he spoke with the media overall on the trade deadline. He kind of just talked about how happy he was with getting a... Uh, getting uh, two guaranteed first-round picks and potentially three. But overall, for my grade on Kyle Davidson, the big the big trades that he made, I thought they were both in the Blackhawks' favor and absolutely had to be done. Ryan Carpenter, that's kind of a wash. Um, but I'm going to give Kyle Davidson a B-. Maybe that's a little bit harsh. And I do absolutely love the Brandon Hagel trade and Flurry. For him to be able to trade him, that's phenomenal. But he spoke so much about how rebuilding through the draft is the way he wants to go and the way that things really have to be done here in order to change the tides of this organization. And we saw that in the move with Hagel. We saw that in the move with Flurry. We saw that in the move with Ryan Carpenter. But why did he stop there with not moving Calvin DeHaan and Dominic Kubelik, that one just leaves me scratching my head. I do still have trust in Kyle Davidson. I think he's very open with the fan base, and I think he did a good job overall, but to not trade those other two pieces, I just don't really understand that. So maybe a B- minus is a little bit too harsh, but that's what I'm going to give Kyle Davidson because I think 99.9% of Blackhawks fans and people around the team, the beat writers and everything, thought Kubelik and Dahan were guarantees to be moved. We heard rumors about both of those. Uh, apparently Nashville and St. Louis had interest in Calvin DeHaan yesterday. We heard rumors about Kubelik and Edmonton earlier on in the week. So for neither of those guys to get moved, I think that was a huge disappointment. Even if you could have gotten two fourth round picks, at least you're going to be adding more cracks in the draft going forward. That was Kyle Davidson's mindset. So I don't really know what happened there. Um, but all in all, the big moves I loved, but there should have been more. So because of that, I'm going to give Kyle Davidson a B- for his first NHL trade deadline as the Blackhawks general manager. All right, there are my overall grades on what the Blackhawks were able to do before yesterday's 2 p.m. deadline. Coming up in just a moment, I am also going to get into uh, a couple of the latest roster moves that the Blackhawks made yesterday as well. But first, I need to talk to you all about rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online and do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now to save both money and time while shopping for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even as much as 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership? Chain stores and car dealerships have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low. The rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, from motor oil to tail lamps and even carpet, and you can also choose the brands, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, 
The prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much money and time for the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts that you will ever need for your car or truck for the best possible prices. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now before I wrap things up today, I also wanted to be sure to provide a quick couple of updates on the few roster moves that the Blackhawks made yesterday as well, which kind of got buried with all the trade deadline stuff. Uh, First, we did hear Kyle Davidson when speaking with the media say that Colin Delia will now serve as the backup goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks for the remainder of the season. He'll be behind Kevin Lankinen, while Arvid Soderblom is going to now be the number one down in Rockford. Uh, But for Delia, man, I I really do feel for him because, you know, he he requested a trade a few years back. Nothing really ever came of that. Uh, I'm sure he's beyond frustrated with the way things have gone the last two years. I mean, don't forget, coming into the COVID-shortened year last season, Colin Delia arguably had his chance to be the starter for the remainder of the year, but then Kevin Lankinen got off to that roaring start. Malcolm Subban and Delia kind of battled for the backup spot, which ultimately wound up going to Subban. Delia was stuck down in Rockford, uh, and really, I think maybe the frustration might have got to him because I know he only played four games in the AHL last year, but the numbers were actually atrocious. Uh, he had a 5.16 goals against average and 8.58 save percentage. Uh, and then he came up with the Blackhawks. He got six games towards the end of the year, had some good showings, but overall went 1-3-1. and one. So it's like, while I do feel bad for Colin Delia, he really hasn't done all that much since... Uh, 2018-19 where he had that stretch where the Blackhawks were atrocious and he surprisingly played very well. A kind of a similar story uh, to Kevin Lankinen. Um, and even this year down in the AHL, in 20, 22 starts, Colin Delia is 11-9-2 with a 3.04 goals against average and 9.05 save percentage. And for a guy who's uh, an AHL veteran at this point and 27 years old, you know, those aren't really the numbers you would have liked to see out of him. So while I do, you know, feel bad for Delia and that the Blackhawks haven't been able to move him and give him an opportunity elsewhere, he really hasn't done himself all that many, he really hasn't done himself any favors with, with his performance over the last couple of seasons. But now he is going to get an opportunity once again to kind of showcase his stuff in the final stretch of the season here for the Hawks. Um... And honestly, I know Kevin Lankinen is going to be the number one, but I do think Colin Delia is probably going to be uh, maybe 60-40 in favor of Lankinen. Like, I think Delia is going to be getting his opportunities right. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that because I spoke yesterday on the Blackhawks' future goaltending plans, and both Delia and Kevin Lankinen are unrestricted for agents at the end of the year. Arvid Soderblom is locked into the organization. He's going to be here and be a part of that goaltending tandem, at least until Drew Camasso comes up two to three years down the road. Um, but the Blackhawks, without Marc-Andre Fleury now, I really don't know what they're going to do in goal for the next couple of years throughout this rebuild. So, Colin Delia, this is a massive opportunity for him. Um even if he plays well, I do still kind of have a hard time believing that the Hawks would bring him back or even that he'd want to come back to this organization. Um, 
But it's going to be interesting to see how that goes down. Uh, and it's also going to be an interesting run for Kevin Lankinen as well. Like I said, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent too this summer. And with what we've seen out of him over the last year, he really hasn't been all that impressive. I believe he's still stuck on three wins this season. Uh, it's been an injury-plagued sophomore campaign for him and really has not looked the same since the first half of that COVID-shortened season that I mentioned where he really took the reins over from Subban and Delia. So... This is a big tryout down the stretch here for both of these guys. Uh, I think it is a little bit more significant for Lankinen because I'm not so sure uh, Delia is even going to want to be coming back to the Blackhawks after what he's gone through. I, I believe he's an unrestricted free agent as well. I'm going to check Cap Friendly real quick, which is always, folks, if you want to know everything about the Blackhawks' finances and their cap hit and um, what AAV everyone holds, go and check out Cap Friendly because it's an awesome website. But yes, both... Calendelia and Kevin Lankinen are going to be unrestricted free agents when the summer comes. So it's going to be interesting to see how both of those guys play down the stretch, being the one, uh, the one A and one B goaltenders for the Chicago Blackhawks, with Mark Andre Fleury now out of the picture. The other move that the Blackhawks made yesterday, uh, I know this one made a lot of fans out there happy, but Reese Johnson, who uh, recently returned from a broken clavicle that he suffered back in December against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was recalled by the Blackhawks yesterday as well. Uh, he played a few games down in Rockford, but it, I mean, with the season being lost, why not give a guy like Reese Johnson an opportunity down the stretch too? Uh, I know he didn't do a whole lot in his time earlier on in the season up with the Blackhawks, but I, I do recall him playing a bit better before he suffered that broken clavicle on December 15th against Toronto. So he's been out for the last three months or so. Uh, honestly, I wasn't even sure if we were going to see him again this season. Um, but he's been skating, you know, um, alone or wearing a white non-contact sweater for like a month, a month and a half now. It's been a long recovery for Reese Johnson. Uh, I imagine he's going to be involved somewhere in the bottom six. I know fans aren't super excited about seeing him, but this is what the second half of this Blackhawks season is going to be all, all about. Going to give uh, young guys and maybe future players an opportunity to kind of showcase their stuff a little bit more. That's why Lankinen and Delia are going to be the tendies the rest of the way. So, um, while Reese Johnson is not necessarily a fan favorite in Chicago based on what he's done so far up with the Blackhawks, keep an open mind with him. I think he's going to be getting a, more of an opportunity here not a whole lot of offensive upside for him, but he could be, you know, a next Ryan Carpenter for the Blackhawks, right? A fourth-line guy who can play on the penalty kill. He's still only 23 years old, uh, not going to be 24 until the summer. He's a guy who can play both center and wing. So while it hasn't been the greatest start for him uh, up at the NHL, Let's see what he has. You know, he's only played 23 NHL games. That's way too short to have a, a full idea on what kind of player Reese Johnson is going to be. Uh, but glad to hear that Reese was able to get healthy. Hopefully, he'll be able to provide a little bit more than he was earlier on in the season. Uh, but the Blackhawks officially recalled both Reese Johnson and Colin Delia late last night uh, ahead of their Western Conf uh, their West Coast road trip where they're going to be playing the Los Angeles Kings in the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow and Thursday. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up, what day is it today? Wednesday, Tuesday, excuse me, 
March 22nd's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Fantasy Hockey Podcast as hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Fantasy Hockey right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.